All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Unboxing Judaism podcast. My name is Rabbi Ari Wolby. And I'm Rabbi Yaakov Nagel. So the discussion we talked about uh, that uh, needs to be addressed is a, uh, a, a big topic that's going on today of anti- anti-Semitism. You know, we have a lot of these statements that are being made, uh, whether it's by uh, pop stars and uh, people of uh, influence, that are saying uh, pretty ridiculous things about the Jewish people. How do we address anti-Semitism? So, Rabbi Nagel, please start us off. What are your thoughts on the root cause of anti-Semitism and why are we seeing a, a, a greater, uh, greater exposure of uh, anti-Semitism in our culture today? So, first of all, I'd like to mention that uh, happens to be that this is the Torah portion that really focuses and uh, just you know really deals with this issue of anti-Semitism uh, because that's the recording in this week's parsha, Parshas Vayishlach. Uh, it's talking about the meeting between Yaakov and Esav, and it describes how Esav's coming with his army to destroy, to really destroy Yaakov and his family. Yaakov was with this you know small band; it was his family. What do you have already? And here's Esau coming with 400 men to destroy, to de- just destroy his brother. He wants to kill him. And in the end, that's not what happened. What happened was is that he, Yaakov did everything in his power to placate his brother. And in the end, his brother felt bad for him and hugged him and kissed him. Nevertheless, the Rashi brings down from Rabbi Shimon, I believe, that the statement is this, Halacha biadua. It is a known law, Esav Sonius Yaakov, that Esav hates Yaakov. Fascinating terminology. The word halacha is something that's immutable. It's the law. The law is the law. You can't fight it. It is what it is. So the fact of the matter is, is that the hatred that Esav has, which is, represents pretty much the entire Western world, is in fact a given. He's always going to be there until Mashiach comes, and then there's an expression, God will judge the Mount of Esav, and that's when hopefully we'll come to some closure on this. But it is something that exists and has existed for the Jewish people's history from their beginnings, from Yaakov Avinu, starting the Jewish family. He suffered this with his brother. And it continues on to this day. That being said, there's a lot of insight there, though in terms of what to do about it is really what the discussion is. What can we do about this uh, this issue? Um, and Yaakov tries. He does a threefold preparation. He prepares by praying to God. He prepares for battle. And he prepares gifts, trying to placate. And one, and sometimes you can do the placating. That's the first try. Always requires prayer, but as Jews, we always are aware that sometimes we're going to have to roll up our sleeves to battle. That's and that's the idea. If we have no choice, and uh, it's our history. It's nothing. I think it's really inescapable. 
Um, and that itself is something we're thinking about. You know, it's it's the reality of our of our existence. So it reminds me of the Talmud in Tractate Shabbat. The Talmud says that what are the names of Mount Sinai? The names there are five different names, and the the Talmud goes into asking why this name, why that name, and it gives a reason. But one of the names, the name we know where we receive the Torah, is Sinai. We know, but it, there are other names as well. Why was it called Sinai? Our sages ask in the Talmud. And the Gemara says, because together with the revelation at Mount Sinai, Yorda Sinola the hatred for the Jewish people descended with the Torah. So there's a number of factors here. The first is that if everyone was to get a lottery ticket, if I was to get a lottery ticket, and I I, I say, oh, it's someone's birthday. Oh, Rabbi Nagel, it's your birthday. Here's here's a lottery ticket. And I give you the lottery ticket. And you're like, you know, I appreciate it so much, but you know there's somebody else here who it'll make, them, it'll make their day if we give them the lottery ticket. And you give on the lottery ticket to the next person. And then it goes around the whole classroom and everybody, you know, says, you know what, it's so, so nice of you to give me the, the lottery ticket. I'll give it to the next guy. And then the last guy holding it wins the lottery. And it's the $2 billion lottery. And now what? Everyone's going to be kicking themselves saying, one second, I actually held that ticket. I held that winning ticket and I gave it up. Do you think everyone's going to be nice to the winner? Everyone's going to be like, oh, good for you. You deserve it. No, no, don't give me any of it. It's fine. No. What's going to happen is everyone's going to say, you know, it really is mine. I should have gotten it. I should have, uh, you know, I didn't really mean to give it to you. Maybe you should split it among all of us. You know, the, the, the metaphor is as follows. It's very simple. Every nation of the world had an opportunity to receive the Torah. And they said no. Like you mentioned last week in the previous podcast, right? They said, oh, what is it? The French said, what does it say in it? They said, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. No, thank you. It, the, the Germans, you shall not murder. Forget it, right? Each one, what was, what was relevant to them? And they blew it. And the Jewish people got it. So you know what descended with the revelation at Mount Sinai, with the Ten Commandments? The hatred of the nations of the world to the Jewish people. But the Talmud says a very interesting thing. The nations of the world do not have the right to touch the Jewish people unless the Almighty gives them the right to hurt the Jewish people. And the Talmud further explains that anti-Semitism, the hatred for the Jewish people, the persecution that we've, in, in, we've endured throughout our history, 3,300 years since we were taken out of Egypt and given the revelation at Mount Sinai, there hasn't been 10 years where we haven't undergone persecution, where we haven't gone through pogroms and, and, and book burnings and, and hangings and, and beheadings. In every single corner in Europe, we've been brutalized. We don't, the nations could not touch us if we were doing the work of Hashem. If we are doing, this is what the Talmud says, if we are fulfilling the will of Hashem, Hashem doesn't allow the nations of the world to touch us. And we see this, we see, if you look throughout the history, you see when the Jewish people did their, their job, when they did what they were supposed to do, they were untouchable. And as soon as they dipped, because that's what t- typically happens when, you, you, when you're successful and everything is going well, you're like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Our kids can intermarry. It's not the end of the world. As long as they're a mensch, as long as they're going to raise their children Jewish, they're going to send them to a Jewish day school, right? Without really understanding what the repercussions are. And the more we distance ourselves from Hashem's commandment in His Torah, there's a very strong liability that comes with it. 
And uh, hopefully we should never be the reason or the cause for any type of hatred. But the Torah says so very clearly. Don't go away from my commandments because there is a price to pay. And I hope that that's not, not the, the warning that we're getting now. I, I, the beautiful Jewish people that I see every single day are holy, are righteous. And I hope that we're not at, at, any, uh, at any stage where we are deserving of, you know, brutality, God forbid, or, or other types of uh, terrible, devastating things that happen to the Jewish people. But what I do know for sure is that throughout the entire history, it never helped when the Jews said, you know what? See, the, the nations of the world always said, you know why we have to kill the Jews? We have to kill the Jews because they, they, they run the banks and they have all the money. And what happened when the Jewish people were too poor? Oh, they're the leeches on society. And what's about when we were uneducated? That's because they're uneducated. When, and when we're too educated, right? The, whatever it is, the, the nations of the world will always find a different excuse because it's not the nations of the world, it's us. It's our responsibility. Just want to point out a few, a few amazing things that you brought up over here. First of all, one of the first examples in the Torah of anti-Semitism to the Jews as a nation is as soon as we left Egypt, we were attacked by Amalek. But there's a beautiful medrash that describes what happened there. The Jewish people complained against God. They were unhappy. And the Midrash says a story, a mashal, a parable, to explain what it is. The father is carrying his kid on his shoulders. And the kid is riding high on the shoulders of his father. And he's looking around, and he's asking around. He's saying, hey, did you see my dad? I don't know where my father is. I can't find my father. And the father is, you know, it's heavy. He's carrying this kid. He's like, get out of here. I'm carrying you on my shoulders, and you don't know where I am? And he threw the kid to the ground, and the dog comes up to bite him. And that's the muscle. That's the parable of Amalek coming to attack. God allowed them to attack, but it first starts with, it first starts with this exact idea that they're looking, they're forgetting about God. When you're focused on God, then of course there's no problem. They're not going to attack, and that's why it's also important when you hear what the anti-Semites are saying. They say always a different reason. It's this. It's because of that. It's because of that. It's good to listen because it's not. That's not why they're attacking. But it's sometimes in that is the message why God's allowing them to attack. We're too involved in Hollywood, maybe. <laughs> We're controlling, yeah. like, why is that our, you know, why is that what we have to do with our lives? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe that's something to think about. All of those things is very valuable to listen to what the anti-Semites are saying, why they hate us, and thinking about it, and then trying to, learn the lesson from it. So sort of look at it as a mirror and saying, hey, wait a second, how do I need to repair my relationship with God himself first? Because that's the source for everything. You said there were a few things that you needed, you wanted to point out. Yeah, there's a, um, so I have a great story. This is a story that my father told me, a, good, a neighbor of mine, Mr. Klein. You know, Mr. Yeah, Klein? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so he, uh, he grew up as a Hasidish Bachar, and he went to the yeshiva in Mount Kisco, New York. That was started. It was a Mount Kisco is a community 
like upstate New York, and they found some land and they built a yeshiva there. And the, the the students there were all dressed in their long coats, and they looked very Jewish. Now, there happened to have been a very Jewish community that was uh, that was there, a Jewish community, a very wealthy Jewish community that was there, and they approached the Rosh Yeshiva. Mr. Klein was there as a kid, and he was listening into the uh, what happened there. They came to the Rosh Hashiva and they said, "You know something? We've been here already quite some time, and we've developed and cultivated a very good relationship with our Gentile neighbors, and we want to maintain that delicate balance. And when they see Jews as you, dressed and appearing so Jewish, it can harm." our symbiotic, our wonderful relationship that we've worked so hard to develop. Here, we are, we prepared, we, don't, we know that you spend money to come here. Not a problem. We've raised money amongst ourselves to buy you a place in Bar Park that could suffice for all of your students over here. No problem. And uh, move back to where the Jews are already living. So the Rosh Shiva looks at these guys and he says to them, you know something? think the Gentiles hate more? Where do you think the hatred is stronger? To the guys dressed like us? The guys look too Jewish? No. We don't compete in their realm, in their game. It's you guys who are the lawyers, the doctors, and the professionals that are even more successful than their Gentile neighbors, and they're looking at your fancy houses. You're the ones that actually create even more jealousy. So I recommend to you is to take that money and you guys move to Bar Park. <laughs> of course, that was the end of the discussion. But it's really true. When we try the hardest to appear and to be as the Gentiles, that, of course, creates even more of a hatred from the Gentiles. They innately sense that the Jews need to be Jews. And they get it. Deep down, even the Gentile realizes that the Jew needs to live his life like a Jew lives. And yes, they hold us to a higher standard because we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And it's when the Jew tries to fit in and become like the Gentile that bothers them much, much more. So I had a couple of stories. First is there's a story of a great man who, in our community that we lived in, uh, Mr. Avi Shulman, I would call him Rabbi Avi Shulman. He's such an incredible. Uh, he just passed away, so I want to say um, it should be an elevation for his soul. Uh, what a special man! I was privileged also to uh, learn in Beit Shraga by Reb Zelig Berkowitz, and he used to come to the Shir to hear the class with people uh, 30, 40, 50, 60 years younger than him. Uh, he would come to the shear every day. A really, really special man. The story is attributed to him where he was once on a train and someone says to him, look at you, you Jews, look at how you're dressed and look look at you. You know, why can't you be like normal people? He says, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm Amish. I don't know. They're like, oh, you're Amish. I'm so sorry. You know, you guys really are so dignified and you're so, and it's like suddenly the whole story changed. Back paddled big yeah. time. <laughs> exactly. So for the Amish, it's fine and it's cultured and it's normal, but for Jews, it's like crazy. So yeah, there's a skewed, I remember when I was, when I was a, a child, um, we used to go uh, ice skating on Sundays. We'd go to Sportorama. You remember over there in, in Muncie? It's not there anymore, but um, so we used to go, I remember there were a whole bunch of 
me and my friends and and non-Jews, we would all go skating together, ice skating together. And I remember one time we were all hanging out outside waiting for our parents to pick us up. And one guy, nobody knew that we were Jewish. I mean, we were wearing caps and, you know, it's like, how do they know? We look just like one of them, I guess, on the on the ice skating rink. So we were sitting over there and the guy on the steps looks, he says, hey, cool strings. And then those, he was referring to my tzitzis, to the fringes on every four-cornered four cornered garment. The Torah teaches us that we should have uh, these strings. So he sees it and he's like, oh, those are cool strings. And then he looks up a little further and sees that it's me and I'm, and that I'm Jewish. And he gives like a face of disgust. Like, so if it was like, it was like, just like that, that first moment, he, he thought it was like, oh, those are cool strings. But when he realized that this is part of Judaism, there was a, a little face of disgust. But well, on the other hand... Jewish or not? That's the question. <laughs> well, Jewish. I don't think he was. But either way, th- there's, there's, there's another piece. And that is that I, I mentioned this a lot in my classes. I'm sure in other podcasts we've mentioned this as well. Uh, so I'm sorry for being redundant. But I, I feel like we're a billboard. Every time I go to a Walmart or to a, a Randall's or Kroger, uh, one of the supermarkets, H-E-B, people are looking at us. And we are, we are meant to be an example for the nations. And so many times people ask me, just yesterday, someone asked me, he says, he says, if you don't mind me asking, what's that on your head? I said, it's a kippah, it's a yarmulke. And I explained, yare malka, it's fear of heaven. And it's supposed to be a constant reminder for us as Jews to have fear of heaven and to create a barrier, so to speak, to not feel like we're just free to do anything we want, to recognize that we have to have a God little bit, a, a God, God above us and, and that we need to be with uh, conducting our lives with humility. But one guy once, he asked me, he says, Rabbi, uh, he said, he, he said, you're Jewish? I said, yes. He says, you're a rabbi? I said, yes. He says, can I touch your tzitzit? I said, sure. It was like a display. It was like, of course you can. No problem. But then he says to me something so powerful. He says, do you realize how important your job is? You people are the Jewish people. The world looks up to you. You need to be an example to the nations. We expect to see only the best from the Jewish people. And it was it hit me like a like a, a a ton of bricks on my chest like oh my goodness. I never even thought of it like that. But that's the truth. The nation of nations of the world look at us to be an example and we need to take that example take that responsibility very very seriously and to make sure that God forbid there shouldn't be another Bernie Madoff and there shouldn't be bad examples of what unscrupulous, people who are dishonest, people who are who are not 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 truthful and people who are not faithful in our among our people. The nations of the world are looking to us not to see the best way to scam, God forbid, but the best way to be an example of God in this world. We need to bring godliness into this world. And that's our job. And if we don't do our job and we try to blend in, we try to assimilate and we try to, to uh, you know, be like them, to intermarry, to say, yeah, you know what? We, we just last week we spoke about this in our, in our, in our Torah portion where, you know, there was, we have it with Dina. Dina was abducted and the, the sons of Isaac, Shimon and Levi, they beat up the entire city. Right? They, 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 why, what was the whole attraction? What was going on? They said, be like us. Let's not make any separation. We're just one family. Just come in. That's never going to be a reality. I know people are not going to like when we say this. It will never be a reality where the nations of the world accept us and love us for who we are. 
It will never. And and when we try to assimilate more, it will get harsher. We don't need to bring examples. It's too close to our recent history where there was very, very high levels of intermarriage and it didn't do us any good. No, it did us harm. It did us harm. It did us harm. And people thought, like, it's okay. I'm three generations away from where my Jewish grandfather was. The Nazis won't come after me. And in fact, they had a book report that they did in the early 1940s across the entire German German country that the school kids did a family tree. And they did, you know, three, four generations, and they gave prizes for it. But the, And they had to talk about which religion they were from. And they were collect. the government was collecting this to, to people later say, no, 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 I'm not Jewish, I'm not Jewish. They said, oh, well, the, here's the report, exactly. And it, it's tragic. It's tragic. Hashem just wants one thing with us. He wants a close relationship with us. And the way to do it is very clearly defined in Deuteronomy. The Torah tells us very, very clearly. Build our relationship with God. Build your relationship with God. There's only one way. It's through the Torah. Hashem commands us to follow His ordinances. And they're beautiful. The greatest gift in the world is Shabbos. The greatest gift on planet Earth is Shabbos. And there's only one reason a Jew would not embrace Shabbos. Because they've never tasted Shabbos. And that responsibility falls on me and you, Rabbi Rabbi Nagel, and, and every single other person to open up our homes and to open up our hearts to every single Jew, to embrace, to learn, to experience, to love a delicious Shabbos meal, to experience what it means to be Shabbos in a Jewish community, what it means to be separated from the world. Have, uh, see, uh, to have an island of sanity in an insane world, which is really what Shabbos is for us. So I think we can appreciate it even a higher level than we have in the past. And, and people say, well, uh, God didn't take into consideration technology and I can drive with my Tesla. That's not going to do it. It's not going to bring your relationship with God to a higher level. You're looking for loopholes. There are a million loopholes you can excuse. But at the end of the day, what does Hashem want? Spend some time together. Don't be busy with your business. Don't be busy with running around. Don't pick up your cleaners and don't go to the movies. Technology. Don't be busy with it. Just spend quality time with your neshama, with your soul. With and your family. With your family. With, the community. with your friends and with your neighbors. I, I, I would love to invite every single one of our viewers and our listeners Come join us for Shabbos. Come join. Experience what it is when you see hundreds of people in the streets with strollers and kids running around playing and enjoying each other's company. No one's rushing anywhere. For 25 hours, everyone is at peace. Everyone is in, it, it, It's just the, the serenity, the joy, the, the, the tranquility that's experienced over Shabbos can't be replicated can't be replicated. A friend of mine told me, he says, uh, he says they were talking about amongst, amongst friends, they were talking about their best vacations. And this one says, ah, I like going to this resort and I like going to that, that island. He says, you know, I have the greatest vacation ever. And once my wife and I discovered it, we decided that we're obsessed with this vacation. What do we do? We take a cruise. It's a 25-hour cruise. And as soon as that cruise departs, we're just in, in bliss. And every week, we go on that cruise. And whatever we have on the cruise, we have. And whatever we don't, we don't. He says, you know the name of the cruise? Everyone's like, yeah, I want to hear. Shabbos. Shabbos is the cruise. As soon as it departs, there's no more cooking. There's no more. Not everything is done. You prepare yourself. You get on that cruise, and now you're just in a different space. You're in a different place. 
Now, the topic of conversation wasn't about Shabbos, but it's just to give an example of the beauty that we were gifted with. It's a privilege. It's a privilege for us to be among the chosen people. Asher bochar bonu. God chose us. He chose us because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And we shouldn't be shy about it. We shouldn't be afraid of it. The nations embarrassed. were embarrassed of it, God forbid. God created the world so that we can, uh, we can flourish in our relationship with him. There's one other point I think is very connected to this discussion of anti-Semitism. And uh, it's, it, there's a parable that's brought down and it describes how the tree was uh, super afraid of the metal. Once metal was discovered and metal can chop down the tree and uh, it's frightened, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then the tree's told, you know, that metal will not harm you without the wooden handle that holds the axe that comes from your own branches, which is a real message for really all the Jewish people. It is the Jews themselves that cause themselves, unfortunately, the most harm. We're our own worst enemy. And if you study history, and I recommend that you do, look into the history. Any major downfall was always some Jews that were causing the problem, self-hating Jews, that created the problem Gentile is not starting on his own to attack the Jews. It starts with a Jew trying to get the other Jew in trouble, trying to bring the Gentile in to help them on their fight against another Jew. This is really, really one of the key things that we need to think about. When the Jews are getting along with each other, we have really nothing to worry about. And that's really part and parcel. It's our relationship with God, but it's also our relationship with each other. When we get along, and again, doesn't mean that we're agreeing always with everything that everybody else says. We can argue, we can discuss, but we can still be in peace and harmony. It's not a contradiction. And yeah, there's always, there was 12 tribes, and the 12 tribes each had their own customs, and they followed different ways that they weren't exactly the same. And they had different roles to play, and that's also true, and that's valid. But getting along and loving each other and validating each other, that's very important. I think that's part of the principle of not to worry about anti-Semitism when we ourselves are not guilty of that to some degree, as long as it's you know a different color than myself. Oh, I hate that guy. That's where it's a problem. And that's where it also begins. I think it's even more uh, relatable for us these days because we're etching closer every day to the beautiful holiday of Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is a very unique holiday because it's the only holiday that we put on display. You know, we don't hang our chauffeur by a front window. We don't put our Megillah or our matzah, our four cups of wine by the front window. But the menorah we light and we put it at our front window. Why? Because the light of the Jewish people we need to share with the world. We need to be a light to the nations, and we need to share that light with the nations. We need to not be afraid, not hide that light. It's a responsibility that God gave us. Yeah, you're a chosen people. You're obligated to certain things. There's certain criteria, and part of that is being prideful of our 
inheritance. The Torah is our inheritance. We can't run away from it. We never will run away from it. It is the reality. It is our very existence. So embrace it, love it, share it, shine it out to the world. And I welcome every one of you, each and every one of our viewers, our listeners. Join us, learn with us, connect with us. It doesn't have to be with us. The Torah, the Torah, take the Torah. See for yourself. It's our document. It doesn't belong to the rabbis. It doesn't belong to the religious. It doesn't belong to the scholars. It belongs to every single Jew. Marusha, None of us have the monopoly Yaakov. on it. Yeah. None of us have the monopoly on the Torah. The Torah is for all of us. We're here to help you learn it and, and answer I'm, questions. And I'm not saying that I know all the answers or the Rabbi Nagel does, but the idea here is that we need to take that document that Hashem gave us as the manu, as the manuscript for the, this existence in this world, and let's utilize it. Let's make it our best friend. Let's make it our manual, our little handbook that we use to understand life and to understand what the story is. So just in summary, just to understand what we're saying over here, there's three relationships that we're talking about here. It's our relationship with God, it's our relationship with our fellow Jew, and it's our relationship with the Torah that's being discussed. If we got all of those things strong, we have zero to worry about. doesn't matter. Kanye West can talk as much as he wants. It's not going to affect us as long as we know we got our relationship strong. Again, the Torah, God, and so one, one of our viewers asks, Aliza, it's a great question. What can we as individuals do to combat the current anti-Semitism? I think the strengthening, each one of us strengthening a single area of our life, if it's washing our hands the way Halacha tells us, if it's saying the blessings the way Halacha tells us, growing in any area of our connection with Hashem, that is Hashem is sending these as a little wake-up call for us to improve, for us to improve. That's it Hashem wants. He wants us to improve. Take a step. We should each, each and every one of us, take a step in our growth. I got news for you. Even, even rabbis need to take a step in growth. <laughs> That's right. It's very easy to be complacent, right? To take a step and to just move the, the, move the, 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 the needle one little teeny drop. That's it. Hashem wants us to change a little bit and to grow a little bit. So I think that that's the message for each and every one of us. So my dear friends, thank you very, very much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed. And I look forward to Rabbi Nagel next week. Be'ez Hashem. Amazing. Thank okay. you. We have Hanukkah Th- coming up. That's right. Celebrate. Okay. If, and if anyone has any questions you'd like us to address in future episodes, please don't hesitate. Email us at unboxing at torchweb.org. Unboxing at torchweb.org. And for now, my dear friends from Houston, Texas, shalom. Shalom, uvracha. Thank you so much.